0: What's up everybody? Welcome to the Exetazo podcast where we examine the complexities of Christianity and in today's episode we'll be examining Ecclesiastes chapter 12, the last chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm very excited to get into it. We have Kyle once again. Yep, another and, uh, time. Yep, yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's see the wisdom that we can take from this amazing book. All right, so the first section I named it Memento Morai and we'll just get straight into it. What does so, that mean? Well, what are you about to tell me? Well, I'll tell you at the end. I'll oh, tell you at the end okay. of what that means. I'll wait in suspense. Yeah. So there's, it, it's a good meaning. There's a reason why I name, I titled this this portion. Okay. Okay. That term. All right. So Ecclesiastes chapter twelve, verse one through seven, and it says, "Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your Creator. Honor Him." In your youth, before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. Remember him before the light of the sun, moon, and stars is dim to your old eyes and rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house, start to tremble, and before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants, stop grinding, and before your eyes, the women looking through the windows, see dimly. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about the danger in the streets, before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom and you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper, grasshopper, and the capperberry no longer inspires sexual desire. Remember him Before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your creator now, while you are young, before the silver cord of a life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. For then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. That's good. That is
1: really good. <laughs> <laughs> much much different than than my version. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <clears throat> much much different than um King James. Yeah, the King James version. Um so from the jump, I would actually like to talk about the difference between the translations actually cuz uh people who are reading um the ESV or the King James version or New King James version they're probably like what? I did not see any of that. No. Um, so the reason why uh, the words and the terminology is very much different is because the New Living Translation is a more of a meaning for meaning or what you would call a paraphrase, per, a paraphrase for paraphrase translation. Okay. Okay. The King James, the CSB or Christian Standard Bible, the English Standard Version, um, the American Standard Version. Um, I would even say the Complete Jewish Bible uh what, what other translations are there that are trying to remember
1: niv i
0: don't know the niv i think the niv is more of in the middle mm. but those translations which i just named those are more of a literal word for word translation mm-hmm. so what does that mean that means that they are majority of the time taking literally what one word means and translating it into another word okay into like what that in, into the language of the other word yes does that like make sense? Word well, for word. Yeah, it's more word for word not, translation. Not
1: like a phrase or a yeah, sentence or, a, phrase in its or completeness. a sentence. Yes.
0: Word for word. Yes. It okay. is literally word for word. Now, as you can tell, there are some problems with that. Because with that it becomes very confusing to the reader when they're reading it. Yes. So in the King James Version you got a whole bunch of sayings and things like that which are super confusing that really only the people in that cultural context, or if you study that cultural context, which is also a very tiresome and difficult job depending on the the scripture, Mm -hmm. I would honestly argue that this scripture is definitely one of them where it becomes very difficult to understand what is he really getting at. Mm -hmm. While with a meaning for meaning or a paraphrase for paraphrase, what these translations do is that they focus more on What is the author saying and how can this properly be communicated to a person today? Mm -hmm. Basically. Yeah. So with that, it was basically kind of doing a lot of the hard work for us. Taking these sayings or these phrases that were probably typically used a lot back then and communicated it in a way that can be understood to us today.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So that is the reason why specifically inside this portion of uh, the passage, um, it is so vastly different than the King James, yeah. or honestly, any other uh, uh, literal translation of mm-hmm. the Bible.
1: Yeah, I like I like the King James in like for its negative and its positive in that effect, because when you do reach something that just doesn't make sense for you, mm-hmm. it it like piques your interest. Yeah, you're like. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. And then you do go into that detail to actually try to find it and understand it. But with that, there is that same negative Mm -hmm. of if that's all you're doing, if you're just reading the words down there, like you're going to be missing something. You're going to be sitting here and be like, why is it, what, talking about a grasshopper? Yeah. Okay, what, um, huh? yeah. an almond tree? I don't even know what that looks like, <laughs> you know? I had to talk with, like, some of the people that I go to church with and be like, what does it mean when it's talking about, like, some almond tree? And they're like, ah, uh, something about, like, gray hair or something, and that's what it looks like. And I'm yeah. like, what? So, yeah. when I, so when I heard you say that, I was like, oh, that guy was right. Okay. So yeah. It still didn't help me because I didn't know what all the other ones yeah. meant.
0: Yeah, no, because, the, yeah, there's a there's honestly a lot in there. And honestly, um, if you actually compare it uh, – Verse by verse, actually, there are still some words in there, but because of the remaining words around those certain words, it helps the reader better understand Mm -hmm. specifically what they are referring to. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And this isn't to bash the King James. No. Yeah, or honestly, any more literal translation. Matter of fact, I would say that there are cases where you should be actually particularly sticking to a more word-for-word, and then there are times like this, to where you would probably want to go to a more meaning-for-meaning meaning translation. You're like, help. Yeah. <laughs> so that is, you know, so that's that's actually... Uh, there. There's a time and place for all translations. Well... Okay, chapter three. Nice job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well Well, there, there are certain translations that I would probably suggest to stay away from, just because they're not really translations. But um, that's more getting into semantics. Mm-hmm. But the King James... ESV, you know those translations. Other translations similar to that are very, very, very good mm-hmm. translations, such as the NLT, NIV. Um, I'm trying to think of other other translations similar to those. NLT was my first one that I read. yeah. I mean, honestly, honestly they're honestly it's they're they're really good. They're really really good, it's and good. it just depends on what passages of scripture you're reading. Me personally, I would actually say on. All scripture, you should be using a spectrum of mm-hmm. multiple translations because they show and glean at different aspects of what the authors are trying to portray, but you will only be able to see it through that translation. Mm-hmm. So I, and I think it's I think it's very, very fascinating. Yeah. Another great example of this is actually inside the book of Jonah. There's one portion in Jonah to where it makes it seem like, in a literal translation, it makes it seem like Jonah fell asleep during the storm. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. When if you actually look into the uh, grammar of the Hebrew, the literal translation actually does a horrible job. (laughs) But if you're reading a more meaning for meaning translation, it does more justice to the Hebrew because what's actually happening is that Jonah actually fell asleep before the storm. So that actually gets into Jonah's whole character. Mm -hmm. You know, Jonah looks way worse falling asleep during the storm rather than falling asleep before the storm, Mm -hmm. you know, but that's just another example of, you know, wanting to use a spectrum of translations. And we'll actually be doing a separate video on that in much, much more detail. But that's just to explain the massive differences between this with our viewers and um, with reading this passage. So now let's just get into it. What are your thoughts on that passage?
1: Uh, So 12, it starts out very similar to like how 11 ended Mm -hmm. in talking about like just this idea of youth in like, Uh, it kind of talked about at the end of chapter 11 where it said, like, enjoy the time of your youth because dark times will come. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, This one says that, like, in the time of your youth, good things are going to happen, but you should also remember your creator. Right? And so that brings about the idea of when nothing's going wrong in your life, like, where is your mind? Because a lot of people reach out to God in, like, times of trial or times of tragedy. And that's like, a tool that gets used to bring our attention to to god Mm -hmm. but it's saying here even during those happy times make sure that you are still thinking about god regardless of your situation good or bad you Mm -hmm. always need god whether or not you know
0: yeah no that's facts what i really love about this passage of scripture right here is that you kind of see how in the first chapter the author kind of goes at examining the whole world okay you know, mm-hmm. talks about how, you know, um, what does he say? He uses creation itself to display the stagnant and influx relationship of everything. And then he uses that as a philosophy to basically talk about how life is meaningless. Okay. So he's using creation or he's using the cosmological atmosphere of everything to prove his point mm-hmm. of his philosophy. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, you actually see him doing a similar thing. But instead of using all of creation, he's using the mortality of the body. Okay, okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. To call back to that constant theme that we see throughout all of Scripture, or my, I'm sorry, all of Ecclesiastes, <laughs> all of Ecclesiastes proving the point of there is something wrong. This is not good, uh, but it's happening. Mm, you this is are how it works. dying. Yes, mm-hmm. remember, you are growing older. You are growing weaker, you are diminishing mm-hmm. over time. Mm-hmm. And with this, you need to remember where you came from. It honestly reminds me of um this thought of um, how the word, uh and, and I heard this, I don't know how true it is, but it kind of reminded me of this philosophy in uh, Judaism. Uh, once again, I don't know how true it is, but this thought of Judaism or how the word Yahweh came about and how basically um, that aspect of Yahweh, I am who I am, or I will be who I will be, Mm. you know, that constant just, he was there in the beginning, you know, like he was just there. Mm -hmm. And one way I heard how the Jews think of it is kind of like when a baby is born, that first breath. (sighs) Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. you breathe in. (sighs) Like you kind of hear the Yahweh in the breath. So in a way, this is this is this is okay. you know, this is just what I've heard from some stuff. Conjecture that or not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It, it yeah, yeah. could be a huge stretch, but from what I've heard, it's almost like you are you breathing is a just that in and of itself is in a way of praising God because you are calling back to the one who gave you that breath in the first place.
2: Mm, okay.
0: I thought it was kinda of interesting. I thought I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But to get back to the main point, that concept of when you were born, you took your first breath. Yeah, and then when you die, you will take your last breath. That breath symbolizing, um, symbolizing the energy or the that life-giving spirit. Okay, that is in you, and now it's leaving you. Yeah, yeah and it's yeah, going yeah. back to the one who gave it to you. Mm. In the same way, you see right here, you were strong, but now your body is growing older and older and weaker. And just like how. Um, in the beginning, you're supposed to remember your creator. Mm-hmm. That's where you came from. Mm-hmm. Now at the end, it's all returning back, like a constant cycle. Just like in the first chapter, it showed the constant cycle, how nothing's, re- there's no real gain. The are never filled. Yeah, the season, ne- Yeah, you're never fully filled. The eye is always seeing, the ear is always hearing. Everything is going around in circles. It's always the same desires that we're chasing after. Mm-hmm. Nothing is fully fulfilled. Mm-hmm. In the same way, like you may think that you're leaving God, but in the end... You will have to face him yes. once again.
2: Hmm.
1: That's
0: what? good. Yeah. I just, I kind of just like really thought about that, and that's, dang, that's, yeah, that's powerful. One thing I'm thinking about with with this
1: like Yahweh breathing type concept, right, is that like with that first breath you talked about, how it can be like the in Yah and the out way, right, and then you connected it to the idea of like the first breath in versus the last breath out, mm-hmm. right. So there's even that first Yah in that last way. Ooh. So there's a bunch of little circles that yeah. of the Yahweh's of all the breaths of life that you're taking. Mm-hmm. And then there's that, you can see the connection between the first Yah and the last way, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. So wow. it's kind of, that's fascinating. Well, yeah, that's conjecture. Yeah, yeah. We don't know, but like... Um, oh, yeah, yeah, cool yeah. Point. We don't,
0: yeah. We have no, That's that's just a thought. That's just a, you know, something that we found interesting or I found interesting while looking into it a little bit. Yeah, that's neat. That's very neat. But... Yeah, I thought it was fascinating. So to get more in detail on this passage of Scripture, um, I think that there's actually a few words that we can look at that is very important, and that is remember. The word remember in this passage, creator, and evil days. Evil days. Okay. Okay. So the Hebrew word that's being used for remember is zakar, zakar now this word actually means to not only keep god present in your mind but to also live your life doing things that you know god approves of Mm. or in other words to follow your convictions Mm. pretty much and some other passages that kind of talk about this or uh, glean at that perspective is deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18 and it says remember the lord your god he is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. Then you got the next one, Psalm chapter one, chapter one nineteen verses fifty five. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. So whoever, and, and then you got James chapter fourteen verse seventeen. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So you kind of see this concept. Throughout the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, Psalms, and then even more exemplified in the New Testament, which is James. Which, honestly, when you think about it, this happens a lot. This happens a lot in Scripture. You Mm -hmm. see like a little theme. You see like a little glean at it. Mm -hmm. And then you see it tied even further and further Mm -hmm. and further. And then you see it fully exemplified in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And that's with like a whole bunch of things. Baptism, sin, uh, the Son of Man. There we go. Yeah. Like, I was holding back on that. I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The Son of Man. <laughs> like uh, Pastors, the concept of pastors, being shepherds, just at all. You see a lot of these themes just constantly exemplifying themselves, mm-hmm. which gets into some really interesting theological views, but uh, that will be a conversation for another time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll keep going. So the next Hebrew word is barah which is creator, specifically inside this passage of Scripture. And now what's happening right here is that this word literally means to shape fashion and create with God always being the subject. Mm. But what I think is very fascinating, though, is that it doesn't tell us what God this is. It's not Yahweh. It's not Adonai. It's not El Shaddai. It's not, you know, the God of Israel. Mm. It's just a God, Okay. which is very fascinating because if you look back inside... Genesis, right? And it says, um, what is, I'm trying to remember. In the beginning, in the beginning, the earth was formless and void. Yes. There was darkness over the face of the earth. Mm -hmm. And the spirit was hovering over the waters. Right? Or it's, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Mm. That word God is Elohim. Yes. Which can literally mean any any spiritual being. It's a category. Mm. It's like saying human. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Okay. So it's like, who is this being? And then it and then it says the spirit. Okay. So now we know this spiritual, this whatever this being is, that's immensely powerful, mm. that has created the heavens and the earth, the sky and the land, and everything. Right. He's accompanied with the spirit. All right. So now we're already seeing in the Hebrew scriptures there's a divide between this Elohim and others. Uh huh. But yet you don't see that right here. Which is from the perspective, or get or uh, the author, the teacher. Some may think is maybe even Solomon. That's a whole other discussion. But <laughs> but 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 right here, you get this picture of God is far out there. Yeah, he's super far away. He's mm. not really intertwined with, or he is intertwined with his creation, but it's not like a. It's more of an, I would say, an agnostic view of God. Like a, like a set it and forget it. Like yeah. Like he, he put the world in motion and yes. he's
1: now standing at a distance type thing. Yeah, maybe. a little bit. You okay. get
0: a little sense of that in Ecclesiastes, okay. cause especially with how dark it is. Oh, things absolutely. Things like that. Yeah. yeah. These are the way things work. Yeah. And so it's just like a, like a clock. Mm -hmm. Now, some other passages that kind of, like I said, glean to that, I already referenced Genesis, but also in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, then the Lord God formed the man of of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Mm. Once again, it doesn't mention in the Hebrew what this God is. It just keeps saying Elohim, Mm. which is very, very fascinating. And there's a whole theme with this, though, which I call theme of the revelation of God, God revealing himself more and more throughout scripture. And then you also have in Genesis chapter three, verse 19, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of the, out of it, you were taken for you are dust and to dust you shall return, Mm -hmm. which touches back onto that first aspect that we were talking about with how everything is, yeah, 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 like Mm -hmm. this, like a cycle, just everything going back to God. Mm-hmm. And now, we'll get into evil days. Now, evil days is actually not mentioned. If you if you saw, you probably noticed it, but it's not mentioned in my translation. It's actually mentioned in the King James Version. Let's go. See? And this is, And this is another point. This is a reason why it's good to read both translations, because evil days is an important term to notice in this passage of Scripture. Now, um, it's actually specifically not only referenced in the King James, but specifically Christian Standard Bible, English Standard Version, and American Standard Version. And I think also maybe even in the New American Standard Version too. Mm. Um, But anyways, um, so where is it? So the Hebrew word for evil days is rachiyom, which in this context – uh, some scholars believe that um, that it's actually referring to the old age of morality. Pretty much, how one needs to remember the beginning of life and the end of life, basically. And what this is meaning, pretty much, that the end of life is not a good thing. It has a yeah, it has a negative. It has a negative connotation mm-hmm. towards it, which I thought was kind of kind of interesting because the New Testament has somewhat of a. So, well, hmm, let me think about it. Uh, would you say the New Testament has a different view on the end of life? Uh, I mean, I feel like it's like a, I just
1: very quickly think like death wears thy like, sting, but like that might be a
0: yeah, thing. that's yeah. So that's why I'm like, does it have a ne- negative connotation, or it's like death is like a joke a little bit? It's just that like you think about the idea of of I don't know if we're
1: differentiating death versus versus late life. You know, mm-hmm. like we know that Christ took the power of death right yeah. like he's mm-hmm. removed the power yes. that it has over us yes but i don't know if that necessarily if you can make that equal with just like the times before you die mm-hmm. you know if the suffering of these evil days we say is is the fear of like the impending afterlife and how scary that can be mm-hmm. then i would say christ has removed that and so it is a different one yeah. if it comes with the idea of like you know the old aches and pains and mm-hmm. and illnesses I don't I can't think of anything off the top of my head directly. Um Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't that concept doesn't hit me just yet. Maybe I haven't thought on it too much cuz I'm so young.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I'm I was just thinking about it. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'll hold that thought cuz, you know, you don't know everything. I mean, I, I don't I don't really know. I don't I haven't really looked into that on how like how it's necess- necessarily different in the New Testament cuz I feel there's portions to where death is looked as a bad way and then i feel there's other areas to where uh scripture kind of makes it seem like you know it's not the end like it's not that bad because we have jesus who conquered death Mm -hmm. you know but i guess even in that way showing that it's conquering something and typically when you're conquering something that means that thing that you're conquering is typically not a good thing so i don't know to each his own we'll just keep going (laughs) yeah
1: keep it as a mental note i'm trying to think to go to go back to that um Elohim versus the, the other word you said of the creator, right? Like, do you think that there is this—are you saying there is a connection between those names or that there isn't think, a connection between so, those yeah, names? So, yeah. so my
0: connection with that is in the same way Elohim is very, like, blanket. Uh. Barach uh. seems like a very blanket term, too. It's okay, I see, I see. But then again, that also could just be the very Hebrew word that you used when you're using God. Uh, in a in the Hebrew grammar to when it's referring to creating something. Okay. But I know in other portions of Scripture when I've seen like, um, when it mentions God and especially God doing something, mm. it, you know, everyone, or maybe some people don't know, but typically when you see inside the Bible Lord in lowercase caps, mm. that's typically Yahweh, or it's referring to like an actual spiritual being, which is the God of Israel. Okay. So, Um, The fact that you don't see that, I think, kind of points to that aspect of that this God inside of Ecclesiastes specifically is more of a uh, different perspective, which is very interesting, too, though, because this book is in the Bible, Mm -hmm. which is a library of books. And very consistently, uh, they make it—well, in the the beginning portion— kind of don't know who this god is correct and then through the story continues you you learn who this god is Mm. and then in the new testament it's made even clearer and it's exemplified on this god is jesus yeah you see what i'm saying yeah so it kind of seems like that portion in ecclesiastes is going all the way back to the first part we don't really know who this god is or this god has clothed himself in something that's very mysterious okay
1: does that like, make sense? And, and so that's, that's the use of the genericness of the term, is what you're saying. Yeah, it's this cloud of something that yeah. covers it.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. There's, there, there's this or this smoky, smoky vapor that's That's covering. contributing yeah. back to that same theme of like, it's very hard to understand, so much so that, you know, it's unpredictable. You know, mm-hmm. it's like there's an impersonal mm-hmm. aspect to it. Does that make sense? Yet it still has an effect. Is yes. like the idea, right? So, mm-hmm. if,
1: so if we think about the other things we've talked about, it's the idea that we don't, we don't need to fully understand something to rely on it. Even is what I would say. We don't
0: need to fully understand something to know that it's there. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, like the wind, like the wind, like the way a baby is born. yep. yeah. I think yeah. I think that's a perfect way of putting
1: it. Okay. Yeah. yeah I was just trying to get a little bit more. That's really good. Then. Yeah. yeah. I like that.
0: So um, verses two through seven. Now to get into it. Mm. Um, is on the mortality of thyself, mm-hmm. which is as everyone can kind of put, especially reading from this translation. It's very clear. It's talking about the mortality of the body, the yeah. body growing old, you know, disease coming in, muscles getting weak, bones getting weak, brain power not being as strong. Just the whole Hearing. nine. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I actually have some commentary on it. Would you like to read it? Uh, you got it. You take it. You take it. Right. All right, so uh, I got one from Thomas Constable, PhD. He says, here we see the teacher paint the picture of how when someone begins to crawl old, it's like seeing the sun and sky darken with okay. the rain and storm slowly seeping in. It, could also be been, it can also be noted that the Jews believed that any decline in a person's essential energy as a sign that death was beginning to set in.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that was a pretty good quote. I think that, I think that sheds a huge light. Jameson, mm-hmm. um, from his commentary from page 487, says that the house is probably a figure of speech for the inhabitant of a house. The watchman of the house, which is in verse 3, probably refers to one's arms and hands and the strongmen to the legs. The grinders are probably the teeth, and those who look through the windows are the eyes. Mm. So, once again, this is a perfect example to use. Uh, this is- yeah. With, paraphrase, with, paraphrase, translation.
1: With you bringing so much light on it, it's kind of fascinating. It to makes me. more sense, too. It makes way more sense. And like getting this idea of all of these different people, like yeah. being portions of the body, like it makes me think about like the church mm. as a body of many members. So you see all these different members that each have their own little job. So, like with that translation, I get called much more to that type of That's interpretation. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. I really like that connection. Mm-hmm.
0: Expound more on that.
1: Just the idea that like every member has its purpose. So like in the church, we've all been given like spiritual gifts or we have a proclivity to do something and that can bring benefit not only to ourselves, but others. And the others is way more important because the church has a mission that it should be accomplishing mm-hmm. and everybody has their responsibility in it. Yeah. But say that like, I'm the eyes. And so like, I'm good at seeing, you know, like, and that's just a specific thing that I do well. And then I notice there's something that I don't do as well. Like the eye is probably not really good at carrying anything, (laughs) you know? And like, we think that's funny, but like the idea of expecting somebody, somebody to do something that's not like their member's function is quite funny. But as humans, we have that disconnect where it's like, you know, I'm an engineer. So like, I like to, you know, think about a bunch of different things, but like, I'm, you know, probably not that good at poetry or anything like that. So if somebody says, hey, I really need you to write me a poem. You know, I'd be
0: like, <laughs> "Yeah, don't really know what I can do right there." But, it, but in the church, it's like it's like the same way. No, that's a really good perspective. Yeah,
1: and so it's mm. it's it's funny how quickly we can think about it when it's in the metaphor versus in reality. Oh, I was just I just asked him to do this little thing. It may be a little thing to you because that's your member's function, like that's your thing. Ooh. But to somebody else, it's a grand task yeah. that's hard to achieve.
0: And what's so interesting too is that. You know I think what you said about it being a metaphor, everyone's like, "Oh yeah, but then when it's in reality it's like, oh I don't really know actually about applying all that. it yeah because it's the same thing even when you look in like a, the anagram or these personality like oh yeah yeah you know it pretty much proves the same point. Everyone is complex and different in their own way, which also means they all have their different strengths, mm-hmm. which means that they all have their different roles yes you see what I'm saying mm-hmm. and they're just basically communicating the same thing that the Bible has constantly been trying to communicate. But yet, we still see how it's so hard to accept. But yet, when it comes to the anagram, when it comes to all these other things, people can accept it like that. Mm-hmm. And I honestly even say, when it comes to those type of things, there's even some skeptics to those. Personality. I mean, honestly, I don't even really know how reliable it is. But, yeah. but I, the concept, though, of it, mm. I feel like is not very, very far-fetched. I feel like that's definitely a reality that we live in. I, I would definitely say the
1: concept is true. And, like, I think those personality quizzes, like, I think most people argue about their accuracy as opposed to the actual concepts that it's representing. Yeah, right? I agree, yeah. Um, yeah. And what I think that those things do are when people talk about those things, um, they're a conversation starter. Oh, yeah. Like, to me, that's the whole point. It's the icebreaker for mm-hmm. the discovery of yep. the role. Yeah, It allows people space to talk about themselves mm-hmm. without them coming off as prideful or haughty you know yeah. it's just like oh i'm a five which means that i'm really good at like looking at things and i'm a big thinker or something mm-hmm. like that right yeah. be otherwise just walking up to somebody even like hey um i'm like really good at noticing stuff mm-hmm. and whatever and i'm like super analytical and it's super great yeah. right those things come off as different when you're mm-hmm. trying to have that co- type of a conversation so i view them more as conversation starters but the concept i think still rings true with the idea of members
0: and I think that concept that you were talking about, though, about how this resembles the church, this specific uh, passages, mm. um, specifically verses 2 through 7 instead of Ecclesiastes, I think even this passage, connect, talking about what you were specifically referring to, mm. actually calls back to, I believe, um, I want to say uh, it's in, I want to say the passage is in Leviticus where it's talking about... Um, how the Levites is the priestly tribe. But okay. even within that priestly tribe, there was three sections mm-hmm. or three categories of priests. Okay. Ones that built it, ones that carried it, and ones that actually went into the holies of holies. All right. I feel like that is another example of showing how they all have different roles, be yet they're all priests. Even within they're, they're, in
1: their subcategories within the categories. Yes, they're subcategories within the, yes, okay.
0: sub-categories within the category. Mm-hmm. In a way, foreshadowing the church okay. of Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, There's some that will teach, some that will prophesy, some that will heal, some that will speak in tongues, some that will have great discernment, but yet they're all working together for the body of Christ. All different areas. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just very, very beautiful. And you can kind of see that not only in these verses, Ecclesiastes verses 2 through 7, but also all the way into, I believe in Leviticus. I could be wrong. This <laughs> is off the top of my head right hey. now, but we'll have it in the... It'll pop up on the screen somewhere. But yeah. The verse the correct verse will be there.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. And I think the idea is that like the other verse is like be be of one mind as a church, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people may take that and think, oh, we all need to look alike, sound alike, be mm-hmm. alike. But like yeah. that's not the point. Because if you when you marry it with this verse, you're like, oh, the mission is all the same, but we all have
0: different Pieces inside 100%, of that mission, a hundred percent. I mean, when you think about a business and stuff like that, you have different categories within that business.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? I mean, just just with this podcast, like I'm the one who started with the vision, but mm-hmm. when it comes to putting together all this stuff and <laughs> the videotaping the audio, the graphics, none of that is me. Okay. <laughs> the con, the content, everything else is. But yet, I couldn't have this if it wasn't without that aspect either. Mm -hmm. In the same way with the body of Christ, it's all glorifying Jesus, but it's all doing its own ways of working towards that. Mm -hmm. And I think that also kind of gets into um, the different denominations and, like, the different cultures of -hmm. Christianity also. Okay. You know? I feel like the church especially, um, I mean, it's probably been like this for so long. But for me, it feels like that we get so caught up on secondary issues. Oh, yeah. 100%. You know, like, should women be, you know, head pastors? Or do tongues really are really happening? You know, should you have instruments in worship? It's like, dude, like, if you want to talk about that stuff, yeah, definitely talk about it. But don't go on to say someone's not a Christian because they may disagree with you on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be let's be real right now. Like the only thing that really matters is that you believe that Jesus Christ is not only the Son of God, but that He is God Himself, and that He died and rose again. Mm-hmm. That's really it. That is like that's yeah, really, the it. and then you receive, <laughs> and yeah. that you receive that gift. You don't earn it; you received it. Mm. That's it. Then from there, you read the Bible. Now, obviously, I think that there is definitely a way you should be reading the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely think there is a should way. Not to say that any way is wrong. My personal opinion, there's a wise way about going about it so you can minimize the least amount of problems with the least dangerous interpretations of it. Mm. But for the most part, if you're following Christ and you have authority in your life, it's gonna go well. Your relationship is gonna grow. That the Holy Spirit is going to come and change your heart and change your mind. Going back to, I actually believe it's in uh, Hebrews. The renewing of your mind is going to happen.
1: Mm, might be in Hebrews. Might Roman, be in Hebrews. Ro- Romans twelve two.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah, no, there. Maybe Romans twelve two. There you go. Maybe Being Romans daily, twelve two.
1: Constantly renewing your mind, have it not be conformed to this world. That one kind of paraphrasing. Yeah, no, I. Th- yeah, no, I think that one. contributes to it yeah. too.
0: Like. You will be changed. Mm. It's going to happen, but that might look different for someone else.
1: Absolutely, yeah. You know what I mean. You shouldn't expect it, and that's what I'm saying. That yeah. that would be the misapplication of the one mind is that there's this one path that we that we follow, right? Who we are following is Christ. We're all yes. coming from our own starting points. Yeah, and Christ is the one who started us on that journey, and He will and finish he, it. Hey, he will finish it. There we go. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And you shouldn't expect like it, the expectation shouldn't be that it's the same. Like that, and that's just such a powerful idea, right? That allows you to be able to interact with more people, mm-hmm. and like, because life experience can inform like what scripture you see, and like the pieces of truth you can find in it. You can learn so much more by interacting with people who are different than you. Mm-hmm. They have they have the keys to the scriptures that you may never understand. Oh yeah, oh, and that's why gosh. it's good to have like a multitude of counselors. If you have, if you have all of the same counselor, you, might as, well you, really ca- you yeah. might as well have one counselor. What's the point? Why are you talking yeah. to everybody? Yeah, right. wasting yeah. time. Um, and so I just think that's super powerful with taking it, you know, as all the members members have a function, and this one kind of going into their deterioration, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. it's still a powerful yeah, it idea. Is. It is because, like Ecclesiastes. Wow, it's connected to other portions of the Bible, even though it's such a dreary book for most yeah. people.
0: Yeah. And what's so fascinating too is that you kind of see these connections, but you see how Ecclesiastes kind of flips them. Mm-hmm. It kind of gives you a different perspective of it. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is the purpose of it. The purpose of that book being right there into the wisdom literature is that there is a wisdom that we can take, which is why God has placed it in this religious collection of books. Mm. So we'll just keep going um, right here, actually. So, some people might be wondering about that um, sexual portion. Capperberry, I think it's called. Or what is it?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to see which one was that. Oh, mine just says, and desire shall fail. Yeah. So, there you go. So like, I, my... <laughs> Yeah. So, some people are like, whoa, sexual desire. I heard that. I heard that. I what like... is
0: this getting talked about right now? So, um, uh, I have uh, this um, this quote from the Journal of the Evangelical Theological Society. And it says, it is also noted that this portion could be a poor translation that the Septuagint, which, um, if you guys don't know what the Septuagint is, uh, if you guys don't know what the Septuagint is, uh, it is the Greek translation of the Hebrew manuscripts of the Old Testament. Yes, the 70, yeah. Yep. Um, So it's a poor translation of the Septuagint when it was introduced. The text should read, and desires fails, which gives the same meaning, namely, all desires die down. Mm-hmm. Man's dark house, rather than eternal home, is a reference to the grave, Sheol, yep. which we kind of talked about. And for reasons why, the dark house is the preferable translation of the Hebrew um, word, or the Hebrew uh, word, bet-alom. Um If you guys want more information on that, check out um, Ronald F. Youngblood. Youngblood's work on that, specifically, he has some good work on that but also uh, the teacher's dark house, which we saw inside verse five, is a tribute to... Oh no, my bad. I misread that, actually. Trying
1: to see. Uh, Windows be darkened, verse three.
0: Yes, yes. Windows be darkened, verse three. So what that sexual desire and that stuff, what that's really getting at, some scholars pretty much believe that that portion isn't necessarily referring to sexual desire, but it's referring to just the overall desire of human beings. When you get older, you, when you typically are getting close to that, that you, time when you're probably about to die. Your ambitions your ambitions, your ambitions are, are no longer really what there. what
1: future is there, right? What can you strive for if you don't have yeah. time in which to work them, right?
0: That's true. If anything, I feel like around that time, you actually want to spend more time with your family.
1: Family? Yeah. Is sim- I mean, I think a lot of Ecclesiastes, of what we talked about before, is like, just indulging in the simple pleasures of yeah. life right yeah but it's even saying I mean if i'm just thinking about this right now like you know waking up in the morning and like listening to nature but even here you're 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 seeing how it's saying that like your hearing hard, will even go it's away, hard yeah. to hear the birds right so even the simple pleasures it's hard to indulge in them mm-hmm. so your desires are few you're having trouble indulging in the simple you know in the simple things of life
0: yeah and what's so crazy too is that like I hear this so much too when people are close to death they always say i wish i did more i wish i, I wish i would have spent more time with my family I it's wish usually I yeah i, I would have done that it's like you wish but now you definitely can't go do it mm-hmm. you know what i mean so this this passage of scripture is definitely speaking to a very very uh in-depth portion of society and humanity yeah, this is fascinating. I thought about it, and like, so in my
1: translation, when it's just you know the metaphor mm-hmm. isn't shown as a metaphor, really, it's yeah. just talking about all these dark things. I was more thinking of it as like the end times. Oh, which okay. I think still holds. Okay, right? Yeah, no, go go ahead, talk like about it, that. Yeah, like it's saying that it's just saying like the strong, like the men will, the strong men will bow themselves. Okay, everybody will bow at the end. All right, right? Okay, even the strong ones everything will be dark, right? Like just this really dark time mourners are in the streets, the almond tree. I don't know, but you know what <laughs> no, I'm saying? I can, can, can kind of see what you're
0: yeah. saying. But it's just yeah. like
1: everything's crashing yeah, down. Yeah, everything's crashing down. For the new kingdom to come, yeah, basically. No,
0: well, that kind of goes back to uh, Matthew, I believe. Uh, I want to say like chapter, is it chapter five? Chapter five, chapter 26? I'm sorry. I meant me- chapter 25, chapter 26. Somewhere around there where Jesus is referring to the end times. He's referring to the day of, you know, when the I think it's the desolation of the statue or something like that, maybe. Something, earthquakes, people will be running, you know, if you if you have to tra- or pray that you don't have to travel on that day or mm-hmm. something like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so like I just I view it as as kind of that idea. Um of the end times, but it's funny how that kind of, you can, you can combine that with this idea of like it being a single person's life at the same time. Yeah. Because if you think about it, you're saying that like, Oh, I wish there could have been all these things that I, that I did mm-hmm. before I got old. Yeah. There may be like a lot of things that you wish you would have did before the end times. Right. Ooh. It's almost synonymous. Right. Cause yeah, we don't know good. how time works when, when right after we die, like how it goes. I don't know. Um, But it's just the idea of like, yeah, did you use your time wisely, right? We talked about being like a good steward of what God has given you. Mm -hmm. If it's the end times, like that is when that stuff will be given an account of, Mm -hmm. not in the sense of like dispensing, you know, judgment, because Mm -hmm. the judgment has been taken by Christ. But the idea of like, were you a good steward or not?
0: Yeah. No, that's powerful. You're 100% right. So we'll just keep going forward. Um, So these last two quotes that I got... Is from the Nelson's commentary from page uh, 1095. Um, the silver cord actually represents the spinal cord, in his opinion, and the golden bowl represents the brain, the pitcher, the heart, and the wheel, the circulatory system. I thought that was kind of interesting. Okay. Okay. I think that was kind of interesting. That is, it's still like the imagery makes sense. Though. Yeah. It, it does kind of like when you think about it like that. Okay. that. that Somebody I can should see do that. an artist rendition that. of this, though. Yeah.
1: Somebody should like make a make a make a Renaissance type picture mm-hmm. that'd that'd be cool. like esque that it looks like a yeah, yeah it'd be, be super uh, cool be it cool. might be a little trippy but yeah. it would look really cool yeah no it would
0: um, so the next quote by old I feel like I keep butchering his name page two ninety two from his commentary the description of old age and of death is furnished not to demonstrate what a vain thing life is but to show the need of making haste to remember the creator. Okay. I like that. that It's a different perspective. Yeah, say that last part again,
1: saying haste to remember the Creator?
0: Yeah. Okay. Haste to remember the Creator. Wow. I Mm. thought it was kind of good. I like that.
1: I'll have to think about that for a while.
0: So to just pretty much talk about this, as we can see, this whole passage of Scripture, this whole first passage of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. The main point of it all is that it's telling us to remember God, mm-hmm. which instantly connects to the title, Memento Mori," which literally means in the Latin, remember that you will die. Oh, there it is. Okay. So, yeah. So that's, and that's, that's the main reason why I put it on there. And honestly, if you do more study into that term, that term is to actually create a humble or to create humility inside one's heart. Mm. to stay humble and to remember that even though you have all these great things happening to you remember that one day it won't be too great
1: I like that I like that that does yeah. combine with the chapter 1 thing that you were talking about right cuz chapter 1 can also be very humbling when it's yeah when you're talking about like all of these things that we view as lesser like mm-hmm. they live past our life
0: Oh yeah It's good, good stuff it's good stuff And now we will go into I believe, I want to say, oh no, this isn't the last section. We will go into the next section of Ecclesiastes, which is the final words of the teacher. And I also said a comment from the author. Okay. Now, do you want to read it or I got it? I got this one. All righty.
1: Eight through 14. Yes, sir. All right. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, eight through 14. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. Keep this in mind. The teacher was considered wise, and he taught the people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. The teacher sought to find just the right words to express truths clearly. The words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful, but helpful. Their collected sayings are like a nail studded stick which with a shepherd drives the sheep. But, my child, let me give you some further advice. Be careful, for writing books is endless, and much study wears you out. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every single thing, whether good or bad. That's good. That's real good. This this end is... I like it. It's I like that. I like that a lot. There's not much to add to it. Yeah. Right? Like, there's a lot to talk about. There ain't much to add to it. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
0: So, some people might be wondering, um, specifically in the title, a comment from the author. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I thought this whole thing was written by one dude. That was going on in my head as well, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So, the reason why I said that is because right here, you can kind of tell a difference in the tone. Mm -hmm. You know? And so the first verse, verse 8, everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. And then right here, keep this in mind. The teacher, so now we're speaking from a third-person perspective. The teacher was considered wise, and he taught the people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying and classifying them. The teacher sought to find just the right words to express truths clearly. The words of the wise, okay, so... Right there, you kind of see how it's almost like a student or someone else was sitting in a classroom and listening to what this teacher was saying and writing it from their perspective, Mm -hmm. just copy and paste. And then at the very end, it's almost like now the student is speaking or not the student but this other person is speaking. Okay. Almost like trying to lighten the load of what has just been given to you. Mm -hmm. Because... Sounds almost like a TA. I mean, yeah, I guess you could say it like that. I mean, I think it's kind of cool because you you see like a shift because it's almost like the author or the teacher or whoever did this is like, this is some dark stuff and this is some really hard stuff to accept. Let me just lighten the load for you a little bit and tell you this isn't the end. Obviously, in our perspective, this isn't the end. Yeah. This is just the beginning. This is, this is actually pointing to something else. But right here, you see that... Um, the author is trying to remind the reader what is actually the point of all this information. Yes. So anyways, uh, that's I just wanted to explain that one part um, particularly. What are some things that you found pretty interesting just inside this small little passage? To me, the main
1: point of this passage is an answer to what a lot of people think about Ecclesiastes. Okay. So. What I've heard from a lot of people is that, oh, Ecclesiastes is just such a negative book. It's so dark, right? There's not a lot of mention of like this, uh, like, a, like a coming deliverance or anything. And so people view it as like very negative. It just says that, you know, nothing in life matters. And even this section starts out with that, No, right? yeah, it does, yeah. But when, when I think about it for a long time, that if the person writing these words does think that everything's meaningless... Why attempt to pass this knowledge on? Mm. Why attempt to find the right words to communicate this effectively? Because if it doesn't matter, why are you going through the trouble? Mm -hmm. And so to me, this is saying that there's something else here. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so it, it begs you to ask, well, why is he choosing to use these words effectively? And I think it's because it's pointing somewhere. That's how I personally view it. Yeah. Whether that's right or wrong or not, like, yeah.
0: I de- I would definitely say that I definitely think it's pointing to somewhere too. Yeah. But to expound more specifically on this passage right here, I actually would like to talk about its interconnections with other passages of Scripture, mm-hmm. sp- specifically Proverbs. Okay. So, what I'm talking about is when it refers to the words of the wise. Mm-hmm. Now, what's pretty cool about this is that the phrase, the words of the wise, it's only mentioned four times in the Old Testament. Only mentioned four times. And the only other place that mentions this is Proverbs. In that exact order. Proverbs, which is in the prologue of the book. And it also ends in chapter twenty-two, or not chapter? Uh, I'm sorry. It also mentions it in chapter twenty-two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry about that. I know Proverbs ends way farther down the line. I think it's like thirty. Yeah, I think it's like thirty-one. I'm pretty sure it's thirty-one. Anyways, so you can actually see Ecclesiastes making this bridge to Proverbs mm-hmm. in the end of the book of Ecclesiastes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? And you see that right here. Proverbs chapter one, verse verses five through six. Let the, let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. That's good. I always, this is something that I just found very, very interesting. Okay. The words of the wise and their riddles. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? What do they mean by that? Riddles. Riddles. I've always, inter- I've always been interested in that because it's like riddles. What is a riddle? It's like, uh, it's it's a hard question to answer. It's it's tricky. Almost. Yeah, it's like it, it's a it's a very tricky, twisted question. it's like, suppo- I, I feel like it's supposed to have a simple
1: answer, but then it's an answer that you would never expect. It has a twist. Yeah, is what I would say. It's it's a com- it's like a statement that's common, but then mm-hmm. it has a twist in it. Yeah. Right. So like some of them are like, this occurs in this word two times, and then. And only happens in this word once. Yeah. And like, that's actually the key to it, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like looking at letters, usually is what it's saying. Mm -hmm. But the phrase is saying something different. Yeah. Right? So it's kind of like a twist on it. Mm. Yet at the same time, like when I think about the idea of riddles or wise people talking in riddles, it's trying to communicate something that you cannot communicate simply. Yeah. It's trying to capture something or to categorize something that cannot be categorized, as far as we know. I view it almost in the same way, like, is, as Jesus speaking in parables. There's, like, so much great truth that are that is expressed in those parables, and, like, that is the most efficient way to communicate them, is in the parable. And mm-hmm. so, like, wise people, they, like, see this concept, but, it, like, it can't crystallize, and they can't say it straight. It's like it's almost that like through the discovery of solving the riddle mm-hmm. that's how the true knowledge is obtained.
0: Ooh. I like that. That's good. Mhm. That's real good. So we'll just keep going forward in this study or this close study of Ecclesiastes verses 8 through 14. Another interesting thing too, uh some scholars believe that the collected sayings when Ecclesiastes references collected sayings it could be most likely referring to Proverbs, Job, and maybe even the Apocrypha. Yeah. And if you guys don't know what the Apocrypha is, um, that is actually, I believe, in the Catholic version of their Bible. And um, Apocrypha, uh, yeah, Apocrypha literally means uh, to hide away or hidden books. And uh, these are what you would call, I believe, deuterochanical books. Or Second Temple writings. So a lot of these, a lot of these writings in the Apocrypha uh, happened during the Second Temple, or roughly during a time period. Or uh, I want to say right before Jesus came onto the scene. Mm. That's what I want to say. We might do a fact check though. Just to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but specifically, what books this author could be referring to maybe is um, the wisdom literature of Jesus of Sakar. And the wisdom literature of Solomon, or the wisdom of Solomon, specifically in the Apocrypha. Because we know Solomon wrote pieces of Proverbs, and some uh, scholars even believe that he wrote uh, Ecclesiastes as well. Mm -hmm. Now, the goads referenced in verse 11 are prodding sticks, and people who mastered this wisdom literature are similar to driven nails in that they are stable and secure. That's a quote from Thomas Constable, once again, PhD. That's the way he reads this. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that was pretty interesting. I know. I never seen it that way either.
1: Where the nails is the focus, not the subject that's taking the nails. Yeah. Interesting. Well,
0: what's interesting too, though, is that I think what he's kind of saying right there is how this wisdom is... It's kind of like that concept that we were talking about, how suffering provides... uh, a discipline or a refining for the believer. Yeah. It helps them become stronger. Mm-hmm. In the same way this wisdom is in a way to help them become stronger. Absolutely and to prepare them. Mm-hmm. And that hammering is the wisdom. And that nail is getting stronger and it's going deeper into that wood, learning how to deal with the problems, you know, maybe that wood is that's what it's representing. Okay. And it's fixed in that and it's stable. Mm-hmm. And nothing will be able to mess with it or destroy it. Interesting. And that's us. Pretty much, I see. That's what he's pretty much saying. Ah. Um, I just thought that was pretty interesting. I have, so I have a slightly
1: different one on that. Yeah, actually, like yeah. so the goat yeah, yeah. so the goad or this nail, you know, mm-hmm. thing is used to guide someone. Yeah, um, to where the shepherd would have him go. Yeah. in this case, right? It's yeah. a guide. Yeah. But when he's saying it that in that way that he's phrasing it, it sounds like the subject is the nails. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if I have a goat and I use it to move something, right? Mm-hmm. The nails don't move. The other thing moves. Hmm. and so in this interpretation what i hear from him is like the wisdom affects you you don't affect the wisdom the wisdom is Ooh. wisdom whether or not like you agree to it or not
0: Ooh, that's good dude.
1: that's what i'm saying like that's really it good. stands like firm yeah
0: dude, that's good that's
1: whether good. that's right or wrong like... that's what i got out of that no, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna take yours i like that
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm taking that that is really good i like that a lot i like that a lot um so uh Another interesting thing, too, that I saw, and uh, this is the way I saw it, is Mm -hmm. that what I found really interesting was, you see when it's talking about the goad and um, basically how these things should be shepherding people, or let's actually just read it again. Let me just read it again, actually, so people understand what I'm talking about. The words of the wise are like cattle prods, painful but helpful. Their collected sayings are like a nail-studded stick with which a shepherd drives the sheep now i feel like right here what this passage is actually tapping into is what i would call that shepherd motif or that shepherd theme in the bible mm. does that make sense because what are some other people that reference as shepherds pastors and i feel like this is connecting to that theme of how just like how jesus is our great shepherd or um Moses was a great shepherd. David was a great shepherd. In the same way, this wisdom is also a shepherd, and Mm. it's contributing to that, which I feel like also displays the role of certain people in other people's lives. But to really get into the verses that I'm referring to, uh, I'll read Isaiah chapter 63, verse 11, and it says, Then they remembered those days of old. When Moses led his people out of Egypt, they cried out, where is the one who brought Israel through the sea with Moses as their shepherd? Where is the one who sent his Holy Spirit to be among his people? Then you have in Psalm 78, it says, He chose his servant, David, calling him from the sheep pens. He took David from tending the hues and lambs and made him the shepherd of Jacob's. Descendants, God's own people, Israel. He cared for them with a true heart and led them with skillful hands. And then you have in Acts 20, verse 28. So guard yourselves and God's people, feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. So he's referring to pastors, mm. things like that. Then you have in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, verse 2, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. So you see this theme, tracking through Scripture, tracking through Scripture. And what it's all pointing to is ultimately Jesus. Mm. Just like how the church creation passages in the old testament this wisdom literature The church the leaders the pastors is all pointing to the ultimate leader the ultimate wisdom mm. The ultimate guide which is jesus christ and you see that in john chapter 10 verse 11. I am the good shepherd The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep and then you see it again isaiah 40 11 He will feed, and this is a prophecy, by the way, of talking about the Messiah. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. (laughs) He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. Hmm. I mean, come on, dude. Uh, There's so many, I'm not even going to get into that, but there's so many passages that reference Jesus as doing that through through the help of the Holy Spirit with him and believers. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. And then you have also in Psalm 23, verses 1 through 3, the Lord is my shepherd. Now you see even God, you know, God the Father being symbolized as this great shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing Mm -hmm. honor to his name. And so, what I'm seeing with this is this basically just contributing to that role, its purpose, you know? Especially with people who have like maybe gone through church hurt and things like that. And one way I kind of put it is this: to kind of like help guard against that. Mm-hmm. This is my view, personally, and I could be wrong, but this is this is my personal view. Let it fly. The church is not the foundation; it's a tool. Yeah. The church's purpose is to equip the saints. Its job is to help you with your faith and to help spread the gospel.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now you have a part to play in that, absolutely. But it should not you. It should not be to the point where your your relationship with Christ is suffering. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. so many people they like when they get into the church, they're serving, they're doing all these things, they're which excited. is great. They're excited. Yeah, they're excited. They're ready to go. Ready to go but then they end up getting hurt or maybe the churches does something to them because we all know people there's a whole bunch people. of yeah people are people churches there's a lot of damage that churches also do too but that shouldn't be tainting the actual person that you should be serving mm. that's the thing mm. I mean how are you going to get mad at the the way I kind of see it is I don't know, how should I say this it's like I got something. Maybe it's like it's like I feel like I feel like instead of getting mad, instead of, instead of blaming that, instead of blaming God, mm. why not just realize that maybe the people are doing it the wrong way? Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Because I feel like when you see it as a tool and not as the foundation, then you realize maybe this tool just might be broken. Tool might be broken. Yeah, may, maybe maybe some maybe something's just not going right.
1: Yeah, I view it too as like. If if you make if you make your your uh, relationship with Christ just about your relationship of the church, right? You begin to praise the creation more than the Creator. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the church is a creation of God for His purpose. Yeah. And so you should sit there. You're worshiping God, not worshiping the, the church. church. And I mean that as far as you know. Not just the building in mm-hmm. the firm of the church, I'm saying the people that are in the yes. church, the authorities that are in mm-hmm. the church, you can give them some level of honor that is due to them, oh yeah, right, because if there's somebody who's doing a really good job feeding the people of God, like that's good, yeah, and you can be an encourager right yeah. that, that's a role in the church yeah. oh an yeah. encourager, oh yeah, but at the same time, it's like your relationship shouldn't your relationship with God should not it shouldn't it shouldn't be like. It shouldn't only come through the church. Mm, yes, it's everybody pointing together. The church is not this like path that you take to get to God, basically. Yes, yes,
0: that, you you said it so well. Yes, and that's and that's why I feel like that's a safe way of going about it too, is because when you go about it that way, you learn that I can take a break. I need to rejuvenate. You know, I need a rest. So I'm I need to, yeah, like, <laughs> like, it's like you just, you don't feel so much pressure on having to do everything right. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? hmm Because that's, yeah, that's just the truth. Like, you, you should, that's how, that's honestly how it should be. Yeah. And if it's not being that, and if it's not working out that way, you need to probably change something. Mm-hmm. Because... your relationship with Christ should be ultimately fueling everything. Yes. Everything. And I hear this all the time too about like, like we need more leaders, we need more this, we need more that. And it's like, dude, if they don't know Jesus, I mean, we're just gonna have more leaders that aren't doing the right thing. If you're just raising people. Yeah, yeah if you're just raising people, we're just gonna have more people doing the wrong thing. I mean, in my personal opinion, I feel like we got enough leaders. There's so many leaders that are doing the wrong thing. And it's like, well, look at the world. Look uh. at all the leaders that are leading them. Uh. You got the Andrew Tate's out there. You got <laughs> You got uh. You got You got You got like, <laughs> hey, man, I'm going to keep it real, man. <laughs> I'm going to keep it real. You got You got like all these people that are saying some crazy things out there where it's like, "Dude, don't get me wrong. I would say he's a leader. There's other people that are like leaders too, but are they leading correctly? Are they doing the right thing with mm-hmm. their leadership?" Mm-hmm. That's the thing. If anything, I feel like enough with leaders. Let's get more people loving Christ, mm-hmm. and when you get people loving Christ, then they will become the correct type of leader. It's a byproduct, not the goal. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a byproduct, not the goal. Mm-hmm. And it's the same. And I would say it's the same thing about knowledge of the scriptures. I was about to go on hundred percent that, because that's what this oh, says hundred yeah, percent in verse twelve.
1: Right? It's just saying like the writing of these books, these studies. You can go on forever. You go. You can go on forever. Oh, yeah, and you know it's not saying that it's. Detrimental. It's saying that it even can be helpful. Yeah. But it's just helpful. It's not the end-all be-all. Mm-hmm. What does he say the end-all be-all is in the next two verses after verse 12? To right? honor God. And if the, if all that knowledge helps you, good for you. Great for you. Mm-hmm. But don't let all this knowledge-seeking, this chasing of it, mm-hmm. distract you yeah. from the actual
0: goal. Oh, yeah. Because honestly, the danger is, is that that can become an idol. Mm-hmm that can become an idol. Dangerous. It really can. And it's not just that, but it's like multiple other things. Like, for example, like you can want marriage so bad, but the thing is, and this is a, this is a reality check too, mm-hmm. if you want marriage so bad to the point where you're getting mad at God for not being married mm-hmm. or something like that, you might need to check yourself. Yeah. Because don't get me wrong, I'm not saying marriage is bad. Marriage is a beautiful thing, especially when it's done in the context of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely amazing. But... The reality is, is that sometimes God calls us to do things that we might not want to do. And for some people, not saying everyone, that's a very, very small, I would even say it's probably less than than Mm -hmm. (laughs) 0.5%. But the truth is, though, is if God has put that on your heart to be single or to, like, not get married or anything like that. Yeah. You need to honor him. You need to honor that. It's about denying yourself and what if that denying is something that you want mm-hmm you see what i'm saying yeah marriage should not be on that on that totem pole it should be god yeah same thing with video games same thing with sports same thing with whatever it is it could be working out literally anything mm-hmm. god should be at the top of that absolutely not you not your goals not your this or that no it needs to be him mm-hmm. because if it's not him it's just another sin that's clouding, clouding the mishaps in your life, mm. clouding all of the all of the jacked up things that you end up falling into. That depression, all that stuff, I guarantee it will get, it probably won't go away. I won't say it will go away because obviously you need to do other things to help with that. But I definitely think a load will definitely alleviate when you put your hope, your trust, your joy in Jesus Christ. Mm. Does that like make sense? Mm-hmm
1: that it it does it's the idea it's this balance thing that christians have to do where it says like bear your cross daily but also my burden is light yes right so which part of the burden are you are you alleviating Mm -hmm. right it's not saying that it's going to be easy it's saying that if you're following christ certain things that are weighing you down will go away Mm -hmm. now is that the like Maybe those are like the big whys of why you're doing something. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people's problem may be motivation. Why am I doing what am I why am I doing what I'm doing? Yeah. If you don't have a clear motivation in your mind, it's hard to get motivated. Oh yeah. If you don't have a clear goal, mm-hmm. it's hard to align what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you're like preparing for something, like you have like like you need to have something you're preparing for mm-hmm. to effectively prepare yourself. Yeah. And so what it's saying is like that executive uh like psychological load is gone if it's like why am i doing this because i love christ because i'm serving christ i want to be a better follower of christ oh yeah so like that portion of it gets taken care of that mm-hmm. portion's light once again that's a little bit conjecturish but like that's where i'm saying where there's... Like, yeah
0: i see and honestly though when you think about it when you are following him and his and his purpose and his goal is on your life he is going to naturally prepare that type of stuff for you it will happen but you have to be content with it if it doesn't mm mm-hmm. mhm because if it doesn't, then that means he might be preparing you for something else. There you go. Yeah. Like, w- the question is, what is he trying to teach you in this moment? Mm. That's what you should be looking for. What is he trying to show you in that moment in, in so- when something's not going your way? Because for me, what I've seen, and I also see preached so much in the scriptures, too, is that typically the people who love Jesus the most are also the ones who end up doing what he wants the most. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is like a lot of the people that I've seen that just love the scriptures, that are just trying to get close to him, that are just trying to follow his word, trying to follow him, trying to grow their relationship deeper with him, end up being Bible leaders, Mm. end up spreading the gospel more, end up giving more, Mm. end up bringing more people to Christ, end up talking more about him. And it's not because they're trying to do all that. It's simply because of their renewing of their mind. They're wanting to just get closer to him and from them just wanted to get closer to him, they just end up naturally doing all of that. You talk about having a leader, give him Jesus. Then from there, he will be slowly become a leader. Now, of course, I mean, who raised up the leaders in the Old Testament? Perfect example. He took all of the ones that you would think would not be a leader. <laughs> Straight up. Dude, look at Moses, man. He was like, don't do this, man. Don't do- <laughs> i'm not i'm not that guy i'm not that guy exactly (laughs) exactly get my brother he's better (laughs) get my brother get my brother and then look 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 at aaron look at aaron he came dude was like let's build a calf what what and guess who was still staying strong leading israel moses Mm -hmm. and he started from the jump not wanting to lead nothing look at david look at david dude He went from (laughs) leading sheep to leading all of Israel. Mm -hmm. Like, he has taken the very people that you would not expect to lead anything to lead everything. I mean, think about Paul, perfect example. Dude was like a, I'm gonna be honest, dude was like a mini Hitler out here. He was killing Christians (laughs) everywhere. He was oh out God. for blood. This man literally woke up and chose violence. He was out here just killing Christians everywhere. I know that's not something to laugh about, but... Dang, bro. <laughs> I mean, it's the truth. He was... Dude. No, he's the exact antithesis oh my, of who you oh think leading the gosh. church. He was persecuting the church. He, he was killing Christians. Per- yeah, he yeah. was straight up, that's a Christian? He's mine. He's oh. done. Yeah. Like, that's how it was. And literally, from his experience with Christ, from his experience... With Christ, he became one of the main reasons why we have Christianity in the Western world. Mm-hmm. Literally. I mean, that's just the idea of like how God works, right? He he
1: doesn't want there to be this like easy, logical explanation.
0: He doesn't want you to do it alone.
1: Yeah. It's just through him, right? He, that's why it's all these people who you don't expect. Because you're like, that almost sounds impossible. There have to be some sort of something behind them. Mm-hmm. And God's like,
0: it's me. Like... That's what he's doing. Yeah. Yep. And and one thing to make clear too, that's not to discredit like leadership courses and marriage counseling or like any of that other stuff either. I would actually go as far as to say, if you feel like God's calling you to be a leader, then you starting that gift that God has given you calls you to go and do that leadership course. And to hone go your Go and skill. do, yeah. Go and do that marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. Go and like, go and work out. Take care of that body that God has given you there there's there is a clear i in my opinion i believe that there is a very clear cut reality of when you are idolizing something and when you should be stewarding and and uh putting safeguards around what God has given you mm. does that make sense say it one more time <laughs> 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 i'm sorry i'm sorry what i mean by that is that You have a marriage? Yeah. You have a you as a husband uh-huh. taking your wife to counseling, trying to work on your relationship, trying to serve her, trying to love her, doing everything you can to make sure that her psychological health is there. Yeah, yeah. Is not you idolizing her or idolizing your marriage. Okay. That's you following what God has commanded you to do, and is that is to take care of your wife as your body. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? There I am there. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, much clearer.
1: What's the what's the other one about putting hedges around it or something?
0: What, that, that's what I meant oh, by like, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, that's okay. that's the hedge part of like setting boundaries and Versus doing that idolizing stuff. It. Right, Versus idolizing it. Versus like idolizing it mm. to where literally, to where literally, I would say you're serving your wife or well, let's say like working out, right? Um, you're working out all the time, but yet you don't have your own Bible study um, time with God. Yeah. You're, you look chiseled in everything but yet you are dark inside. Mm. You can't even, you can't even, you can't even really present the gospel to somebody. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That, uh, that's a problem right there. That's like, okay, you might need to check yourself a little bit, man. Like, you need to be, you need to be meditating. You need to be in the word. You need to be looking to Jesus, praying, spending that time with him. And that looks different for everybody. That looks different for everybody. That's what I was going to say. That's another clear thing too. That looks very different for everybody. For some people, it's, in the word, reading constantly. For other people, it's worship. They need to worship. They can worship for like four to five hours, and that's beautiful, and that's amazing. For other people, it's prayer. They can pray for like four to six hours. That's amazing. Whatever that is for you, go and do that. 100%. And grow in the other aspects of your life. That is the real message of what is getting out. Mm -hmm. Whatever God has put on your heart, try to grow in that, and try to do it the most productive and efficient way as possible. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say. Yeah. And use wisdom for that. Hope that like... No, that was good. Makes everything more clear, makes more sense to our viewers of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That was good. That was good. That was really good. But we'll move on to this next portion, which is the last portion, which is Jesus in the midst of heaven of the Hevel. Jesus in the midst of the Hevel. Now, the real question is, how does Jesus fit into this book? How does he fit into all of this stuff that we've been talking about, right? That's the reality of it, yeah. And what I'd like to talk about is pretty much is that what this book of Ecclesiastes does so well is that it shows the glitches and the fractures of life. Yes. That's what it does. And it, honestly, it not only does that there, but it's honestly pointing to other portions of Scripture, specifically Genesis chapter 3, verse 16 and 19, where you see where it says, To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, right there that you can see how sin has entered into the world and that's what ecclesiastes honestly is what's kind of speaking of Mm -hmm. how sin has made life heavily. yes it has fractured the relationship between men and women it has fractured i would take it as far as even uh, i want to say even as far as creation itself Earthquakes, tornadoes, tsunamis, all that stuff, global warming, all these things has, in my opinion, is there, things that cause suffering and stuff like that, is there because it is the ripple effects of sin itself. Mm. Now, other people might have different interpretations of it. That's my view of it. And... That right there is what Ecclesiastes, in my opinion, is kind of speaking of. The fracture, the mishaps, the glitches in the system of life. The things that just don't seem right and that don't seem like they should be there, but yet they are there and they are the reality. Mm -hmm. I hear so many people say the fundamental reality of life is pain. Yeah, And to me, that's a problem. Correct. Yeah, That's a huge problem. Is this the way it was meant to be? Exactly. That's what it makes you think. Is this what it's actually meant to be? And we have passages right here. For example, Ephesians chapter 5 verses uh, 28b through 33 talks about how the relationship can be fixed. And then we even have in Revelations chapter 21 and in Revelation chapter 22 talks about how the whole earth is going to be renewed and how there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And then we also have in 1 Samuel chapter 8 verse 4 through 9 even shows how the governmental systems even point to something. Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: And how... Specifically in that verse, how pretty much even Saul or David's position wasn't even supposed to be there. Just like Moses was yeah, yeah. you know, he was really supposed to be God. Mm-hmm. But because of us constantly rejecting him, that sin, which goes back to the root of the problem, is what keeps getting in the way and tainting things. That's specifically what first Samuel is actually really getting at first Samuel chapter eight, verses four through nine. But then you also have in Romans chapter thirteen verse one, where it speaks of f- how you, how us Christians can fix the governmental system.
2: Mm.
0: And what it's really, what I'm really trying to get at is that the real way of fixing it is through Jesus. What all of Ecclesiastes is getting at is that Jesus is here to move away all the smoke. There's coming, there's going to come a day where He's going to come back, and all the mishaps, all the misfortunes all the glitches and fractures and problems and suffering that people are experiencing. One day Jesus is going to wipe all that away. Mm. This mist, this smoky substance that we're in, that we call life yeah. that the author calls heaven, is going to be gone. Mm. Everything's going to be clear. Nothing's going to be like a smoky mirror looking yeah. back at us. What, what is your thoughts on that, how Jesus fits into it? No, this is this is
1: it. So, like, you're looking at Ecclesiastes, and he's he's looking at this world and how it works, and he's, like, trying to figure it out or how to make things right, I think. Like, he, he goes mm-hmm. into all these different positions of life. Like, you can hear him talking about, okay, there's all these seasons of life, and this is how life works throughout time. And then in chapter 6, if I remember correctly, he's, like, talking about, like, different ways of, you know— uh, human success, where it's like wealth, honor, children, longevity, all of these things and how they all pass away and all of these, uh, yeah, yeah and, and riches in particular, like riches that you almost think would be a good thing on their face when there's too much of them, mm-hmm. they're to your hurt, right? And so it's like I see I see this person searching through all these different things in life to try to figure out how to make it work mm-hmm. because he had everything is, is what this is, right? Yeah built great things had some sort of you know just a very lavish lifestyle and that mm-hmm. c- he figured out that that wasn't it and going through all these different ways to perceive life he finds that it's meaningless <laughs> right yeah. and so if you think about this person as a super wise person who pondered things for a very long time and he couldn't find a solution to me i almost think like the solution wasn't there yet the solution wasn't provided yet, mm-hmm. and so I view all these different ways of looking at life as providing an outline or or a silhouette, and that silhouette is Christ. Mm-hmm. Ergo, you can try to figure it out on your own, and you're going to have all these issues, and it's going to be that smoky. You're not going to be able to understand it, mm-hmm. or you can just take God at His word and trust Jesus, mm-hmm. and like all of it clears away. Mm-hmm. It makes it way easier. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you might need to run your mind through all these different ways, and that's yeah. why they're here. They're mm-hmm. here so you can bring an end to your mindless wandering of like, yeah. why does the world work the way it does? Yeah, read Ecclesiastes a lot. Your brain will finally give up, and then you'll be like, all right, I just kind of have to trust, don't I? It's like, yeah, you do. Yeah, that's how you do it.
0: And that's and that's like the first step is trust, receiving it humbly, which is not as easy as like you think. No, it's not no. just trust. That's oh, why this book gosh. is here. Yeah trust. sheesh it's tough it's tough but that and, and that's that's the great thing though i think about this book that what it does is that it i feel like it also calls specifically us christians to take this time on this earth very valuable mm-hmm. i mean i even have some numbers too uh that kind of even like kind of talk about like dang dude we really don't have that much th- like when you kind of think about it like we don't have that much time. I mean, well, it's it's subjective. In my opinion, it feels we like we don't have that much time. It, yeah, yeah. subjectivity So, like, time. It's fine. F- I mean, for example, if you were to live 100 years, yeah, that means you'd be living 5,200 weeks. Yes. 5,200 weeks. By the f- the first set of weeks, when you're a kid, that's 600 weeks already up. Then when you're a teenager, that's 400 weeks up. When you hit 20 years, that's over 1,000 weeks already gone. mm just think. Just think about that. That's crazy. Like a thousand weeks are already gone out of that fifty-two hundred, mm-hmm. and then on top of that, two thousand of your weeks are going to be gone when you start working, and then when you, when you retire, which is typically around sixty-five. You want let's just say sixty-five. That means you would have used up thirty-four hundred weeks out of your fifty-two hundred weeks, and then after that, let's say that's your time to like spend and have a good time right you're over 65 you're at that old. point you're old well some people might be like oh you're not old depends who you ask yeah it D- depends on who you ask my personal opinion i think you're old it's old. that's all i mean i i feel like i'm already getting old but <laughs> I'm not old. I'm not old. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not old. I'm just just messing. People are going to jump on you. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I can see the comments already. What is this guy talking about? No, I'm not old. I'm just messing. I'm just messing. I'm going to get there one day, though. And it's a reality that I'm going to have to just take. Mm -hmm. But when you hit 65, though, already 3,400 of your weeks are already gone.
2: Mm.
0: Dude. And the average lifespan, at least in America, is 79
1: which is too bad. That's gotten better. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No. It, that's that's great. That's great. But think about it. You're pretty much living as much time as you did when you were a kid, mm-hmm. but now in your old age. Yeah. And then you have to take an account of the diseases, and then the weaker form that you have in that in that period of time. So it's like you may think you about to have a good time. Your back about to start hurting. <laughs> <laughs> the silver cord, as someone <laughs> called it. Yeah, man, your knee's about to start hurting. You know? Strong man. You sleeping? Yeah. That's going to be rough. Well, <laughs> like, I
1: was about to tell you, is like, you're know, what you not including with that, maybe you wrote it down somewhere else, is like you're sleeping for a portion of that time. Oh, you're just yeah. talking about the weeks. Yeah, I'm just talking about you doing stuff. You're man. eating. The weeks, yeah. You're doing all the maintenance that you need to do for yourself to mm-hmm. just maintain your life. So the actual time that you do have to do the ecclesiastical, you know, live live joyfully um, to to rejoice in the good of your works, right? It's even more limited.
0: And that's the thing, too. I'm saying if you live to 100, yo yeah. the average is 79. Most men live around 74, 75. Maybe slightly older than that. Maybe, let's say 76, 78. I know women live longer than that. Yeah. They live up to like, I want to say like 85 around there. At least that's what... I would say, like some statistics say, somewhere around that range. Because once again, of course, like statistics are also around an estimation and stuff. But think about that. 65 is, I guess, when you really start living life. <laughs> <laughs> if that's how you're living. It. No, yeah, yeah if, if that's how you're living, like where, you know, you're going to get to do whatever you want to do. You're going to get to, you know, be whatever you want to be. Like, oh, yeah, I will get to retire. I'm going to go travel. I'm going to go do all this. You can go do that. But it's going to be a struggle if you kind of think about it. Like, your body's going to be hurting. Your your sleeping is going to even, like, be in. Like, when you wake up. Like, for example, sometimes, I you know, sometimes after a really hard day of working out and I wake up and I'm, like, super sore, sometimes I wonder, man, this is probably is this just how? a taste. Yeah. This is probably just a taste of how, like, old like people when you're feel sick. when they wake up. Yeah. That's a great example. When, when you're sick, you're sick and is you this wake Is this how it up, is to be
1: old? <laughs> oh, broke you on that. Sorry.
0: Really? (laughs)
2: I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry. I was not prepared for that. I wasn't expecting that.
1: You (laughs) good? Come on, Stino. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You want to talk about
0: McDonald's again? No. Okay. No, I don't. Um... But yeah, um, life is hard, right? When you get older, it's just going to get more and more rough. Mm -hmm. But the great thing is, is that when you die and when things do get rough, after that, there's going to be a new heaven, there's going to be a new earth, Mm -hmm. everything's going to be renewed. And what's even better, too, is that we also know that inside this new creation, Mm -hmm. our bodies won't age. Exactly. We'll have new bodies. Right out of it. And Mm -hmm. be continually learning with Christ. Mm -hmm. This isn't it. Ecclesiastes is describing what what is now, but this ain't it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, if you guys really enjoyed uh, this episode, let us know your thoughts on Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Comment, share, subscribe, and let us know. Give us some insights, um, and yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Until next time, stay wise, and have a blessed day. Peace.